House Democrats fast-track the impeachment process. I'm Jerry Barmash, and this is Here Now the News. One week after a deadly insurrection at the U.S. Capitol, President Trump becomes the first president impeached twice. Trump is charged with inciting the riot that led to five deaths, including a police officer. This episode is a portion of a live stream moments after the vote was announced. The full interview is available on my Twitter page, at Jerry Barnash. My guests are James Sample, Hofstra University constitutional law professor, and Len Elmore, former NBA star and sportscaster, who has forged an illustrious career in the law after getting his JD at Harvard. He's now teaching at Columbia University. Pleasure is mine. Thanks for having me. Thank you, Jerry. Oh, absolutely. I'm glad we could do this, put this all together, uh, short notice. So immediate reactions from both of you. Not a surprise that we have this uh, impeachment uh, and uh, it is for the incitement for last week's uh, insurrection uh, on, on Capitol Hill. Um, what What is your immediate reaction to that? We do have 10. Uh, I mean, I guess the surprise is that 10 uh, Republicans joined a year ago. There were no Republicans that voted for impeachment uh, in the House. Perhaps there was going to be more of a groundswell uh, among the Republicans, but that that didn't happen. Maybe the second time around <laughs> has some meaning. Um, the bottom line is that th- this is one of those uh, situations where the president's always proven incorrigible to begin with. Uh, you know, whether or not it has any kind of meaningful impact uh, with only a few days before Joe Biden is uh, is inaugurated is probably secondary. The idea is to symbolically demonstrate that you know this is conduct that that cannot be uh, cannot be countenanced, and more importantly, uh, you, we can't trust this president again, even in a few days left, to be able to uh, essentially command the duties that that a president should, and, and the punishment. The embarrassment unto itself of being impeached a second time, even without a conviction, to me, is formidable. Uh, James, I, I want to ask you, and, and you can answer that certainly. Um, I, I think originally this was done to, for all intents and purposes, get the president out, uh, uh, you know, leave the term early. It does not seem that that's going to be the case. Senator McConnell, at, still at this point the majority leader for a few more days, was in favor of what the Democrats did with the impeachment. Uh, and even to there were reports that he said he wants uh, it to be completed to purge uh, Trump uh, from the GOP, but he is not currently going to go forward uh, at this point. So it will it will then move into what appears to be the beginning of the Biden uh, administration. So it, it seemed that they wanted to get him out, and now it will be more of banning him from from future uh, holding office. Well, you know, I don't know. I don't know that I agree that it, that the reason was necessarily to get him out. You know, we think about impeachment as a mechanism that prime, is a primary means. Its primary use is to remove someone from office. But as as Len said, really, and you when you take a look at the timing of what happened one week ago, in my view, and I think that different Democrats and and some of the ten Republicans in the House who voted for impeachment today, and certainly some of those in the Senate who are considering doing so or who will consider doing so, I think to a certain extent, you know, removal from office at this time frame is not so much the end game as it is one of the things that could potentially occur. And it's going to occur automatically on January 20th anyway. But this is about setting the precedent. It's about sending the message to the future, frankly, 
that we are on the right side of history. Steny Hoyer today, uh, you know, gave in his remarks in the closing, his closing remarks before the vote, said it's never too late to do the right thing. You know, I think realistically, no one, whether you're in favor of impeachment or against impeachment in a general abstract sense, would consider an impeachment at this time frame to be optimal from a timing standpoint. But this is when the events occurred. And if you forego impeachment at this stage merely because the president is in the 11th hour of his presidency, that's, that's a very, very bad precedent for the future. It's almost a get out of jail free card or an incentivizing of lawlessness just so long as it's in the final days. And that would be the exact wrong message to send to history. Uh, and, and I want to, either of you, Len, for example, I, I'm, I'm not used to doing two at a time. So I'm, I'm <laughs> Nick, you just raise a hand. No, um, the fact that we have seen most of the Republicans, as we said, only 10, I believe, uh, when the final tally came in, uh, voted for impeachment. And again, last time a year ago, there were none. Uh, and I believe overall, the only one that voted for impeachment, and you'll correct me if I'm wrong, was Mitch Rom uh, Mitt Romney in the uh, in the Senate. Uh, I believe it was just the one, right? Correct. So here we, we have the 10 and there will be, we already know there will be some in the Senate. Uh, whether there's enough to convict, I don't know. But this seems to always be a political play. And, and here with every senator or every House member, it seems to be they're playing for the future. Either they're playing for the president and uh, holding on to the base or they're playing for their future. And, and a lot of them are almost disturbing in their in their take, their angles that they're that they're that they're saying. What, what do you make of how the, the Republicans, they really have to figure out how to go forward? Well, for those who, who broke ranks, I mean, the, the cynic in me says that public opinion has pointed in a direction where, you know, it's time for them to, to do exactly what they did. Although in, in their speeches, they, they speak to doing the right thing um, and, and also you know, putting, obviously, country before party. And, and that's essentially what I, I think is the right thing. However, again, they have proven they, have, they don't have a track record to give us an awful lot of confidence that they're doing it for the right reasons. And for the others who maintained uh, the line, held the line, you know, it puzzles me because the arguments uh, just didn't hold water. I mean, the fact that, well, he, he may have learned his lesson, we can trust these next couple of days and, you know, he'll be done, we can wash our hands, or it will uh, further divide the country and we need unification right now. You know, we, were, we needed unity four months ago, six months ago. And where were they in speaking to that effect? That's why we are where we are now. So, you know, there's a disingenuousness, disingenuousness about both sides of, of the Republican arguments. Um, but I am happy to see the bipartisan element that uh, voted for impeachment simply because, again, it just demonstrates that there's hope regardless of, of the motivation. What we're seeing, certainly what we saw last week, and now there are uh, warnings that from the FBI that there could be more of these attacks on state capitals across the country, and certainly with the uh, in DC, and we could see this. I think they said uh, two different uh, dates they mentioned uh, leading up to the inauguration. Is there concern? We just don't know the mindset uh, of these Trump supporters. These really the the, the mob, the the, the rioters. 
uh, insurrectionists. Is there concern that I mean, we, when we saw last week, they were they were chanting for uh, in effect for Pence's head. And now that the, this has happened, are you concerned that there's more violence in the short term? Len? You know, I, I never, I would never underestimate recognizing the motivation behind uh, the whole movement, um, which is racism, anti-Semitism, uh, grievance, uh, the whole nine yards. I would never underestimate any of them. And you have to be on full alert. Uh, you, you hear the chatter, people ignored it the last time, and you recognize there are a lot of people with the capability of doing an awful lot of damage. We're not just talking about Washington, D.C. They're talking about state capitals around the country right now where people will organize and try their best. And many of those have open carry laws, which uh, obviously would invite an awful lot of problems because of the pent up anger that, that we see right now. So, no, I, I, I would if I'm law enforcement, I am on absolute the highest alert I can possibly be on because I, I wouldn't trust them. You know, as far as I could push any of them. Do you think the 25th Amendment was ever a viable option for Trump? I don't think, I mean, Mike Pence could have brought the concept of 25th Amendment, but he would still need the votes of, of the cabinet members. And right. how many cabinet members resigned uh, to avoid right. the question? Right. I'm sure that's true. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, and and I, I don't know, is that a cowardly move on their part? It depends. You know, they probably see it as a, as a career saving move, if nothing else, a faith saving move. But but yeah, I mean, you know, they're they're avoiding they're avoiding the issue. And so we can characterize it as such. Absolutely. You know, and, and in terms of the there's sort of three ways that this could have gone, this holding the president accountable. You know, the 25th Amendment was one possible way. Impeachment is clearly the way that things are going to go. But. The I, there is a third option, and it's an option that Richard Nixon, you know, chose to take. Right there's the the Goldwater moment. If the president had had impressed upon him, and who knows whether he's capable of hearing that kind of a message. If the president had resigned, we wouldn't have to have an impeachment. We might still have an impeachment in terms of the future disqualification from office and all of that. But the idea that there's zero accountability, that the president's speech in Texas, you know, along the along the border, says that just like the Ukraine call, this was his 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 remarks were perfect. Right. You know, everyone says so. They were fantastic, huge, superfluous, you know, stupendous, whatever. It's crazy, <laughs> and it's the exact opposite of taking responsibility, the exact opposite of accountability. And you know, if you wanted to have unity, resignation would have been a step in the right direction. I assume but, you don't think. I, I'm sorry, I didn't interrupt. I was going to say he's not going to. He's not going to uh, resign. There's no, no question. His history doesn't play. Yeah, and, and, yeah. and, and you can't plead bankruptcy either. So. <laughs> That's off the table. Okay. The usual option is off the table. Right. <laughs> uh, we have a question uh, from Liz. We sort of touched on this, but we can ask it again. How do you think the Republican Party moves forward from this? Uh, that's a great question. Um, I think the battle has already begun, as you mentioned. People like Jim Jordan and others are, are in a battle with the conscience of the party, you know, be it Cheney or, or, or some of the other 10 who decided to vote for impeachment. And it's going to be a question of who's able to rule. Obviously, look at the majority, and the majority seems to be behind Jordan. But I think once uh, Trump is out of the way and, and once it's been determined that um, he no longer really has any any 
sway with the 75 million voters or at least in individual districts that you know he may not count as much anymore i i think there are some folks who are going to come to their senses you know just to be say you're a conservative doesn't mean you're a donald trump uh, supporter but because you're a donald trump supporter doesn't mean you're a true conservative and i think that's where uh the rubber's going to meet the road you know is it the conservative the true conservative group that puts country before party but still recognizes their principles are they going to be able to take the reins again or is it going to be the the naked opportunists uh the ones who aren't servant leaders uh with just different values and say that i have uh are, are they the ones who are going to be able to command that party I, i'm and with that answer i'm not sure how it goes, at least for the next year or two. Just to piggyback on that, do you think that there will be a Trumpism movement, whether it's Trump, a family member, or someone in that Jordan or, or another another uh, member of uh, Congress that will try to take those reins? Or is that is that done? I, I think a group of them will try. But I think, uh, again, based on public opinion, which uh, for them is fading fast, I, I think they get slapped down. I mean, just the fact that Georgia, turn blue to me is an indicator that, you know, people have had enough, whether it's motivating those who haven't had voices before to getting them to speak as they did in Georgia, or if it's the folks who heretofore were supporters but are disgusted by the actions and the outcome and they decide that they're going to stand quiet or, or they're going to change. I, I think that the the, the life of the, the Trumpism, uh, I think they're on life support right now. And there's no question, and Len mentioned earlier, you know, the, the idea that Josh Hawley and Ted Cruz, these are people who are book smart individuals who made gross strategic miscalculations in terms of trying to claim the early Trumpist mantle. They don't, you don't need the last name to, to claim that wing of the party. Um, the, the, the real question is, can the Republican Party recover the soul of conservatism, the soul of John McCain is dead, not just in body, but in spirit in today's Republican Party. And that's a real, real problem. There's nothing conservative about trying to overturn the state-certified results of an election via the courts. There's nothing conservative about trying to overturn them by refusing to certify the results that the states have already certified, to just count the votes that the states have already certified. You know, you look at what happened, you know, in Georgia, Len mentions Georgia. There is a purpleizing of some states in this country um, that is very, very daunting if you are only going to tack to the right in the Republican Party. You know, we could certainly discuss, and maybe it's a topic for another day, the, the degree to which the Electoral College and gerrymandering and voter suppression and all of those things give the Republican Party some structural advantages, but at the moment they're taking those structural advantages and they're snatching defeat from the jaws of, uh, at not if not victory, at least a built-in home court advantage. Oh, I see what you did there. Yeah, well, <laughs> <laughs> I wanted to just go forward where we are now and in these coming days and beyond. There will be a appears there will be a Senate trial. I'm assuming they're going to go forward in the next term. Uh, they're not going to just stop and say he was impeached, right? There, there will be a Senate trial, right? The, the Senate will receive the article and the Senate will proceed with the trial. Absolutely. So uh, it, it appears it's not going to happen. I mean, they could force it quickly, I guess, 
the way the, the the House did uh, without it going into committee. But it doesn't seem that the McConnell is going to come back before the 19th. And then we go into the inauguration, although this talk, they could actually start by the afternoon of the inauguration. James Clyburn, high ranking from South Carolina, uh, he had said that it could actually start uh, as late as 100 days so that Biden could get his his nominees passed and they they wouldn't have to, uh, in effect, multitask with this legislative uh, agenda. Is that something that makes sense? Or do you I'm my guess is that the American people want this and want it over quickly. Yeah. It was questionable. It was questionable before uh, the actual impeachment vote was taken because the argument was it's an imperative. It's urgent. You know, we have to do this. And it's hard to argue urgency to vote for impeachment and then say, OK, we're going to put the trial off. But now that they have the votes, including, you know, bipartisan participation, you know, now it, it now that's the logic and the sense can be, yes, let let Biden get his administration, get their feet uh, rooted, uh, get confirmation of of his um, cabinet and and let him get his first 100 days underway and let people focus on taking care of those who have suffered under, you know, the economic strain of of the pandemic uh, and some other things. Uh, Once you get that momentum going, now we can turn and and I guess they can take another... um, you know, another news cycle and begin the momentum to, you know, take Donald Trump down in that in that regard, recognizing that you don't want him to hold office ever again. He doesn't deserve the pension or the or the social, I mean, the Secret Service protections that the former presidents usually get. I think he would, st- if I'm not, you'll, maybe James knows, I think he would still keep the Secret Service, but he would lose pension and and the travel stipend. Is that is that correct? So there, there's a two-step process if, in fact, he's convicted in the Senate trial. The, the a conviction would requ- requires two-thirds majority in the Senate, uh, but then there are additional consequences of a conviction. So if the threshold conviction is met, then the Senate can, by simple majority in the Senate, impose additional consequences, including things like the loss of pension, and the disqualification from ever holding office again. Uh, I don't know the details of the Secret Service protection, and realistically, you know, I, I'm no fan of Donald Trump, but I don't have a huge problem with um, Donald Trump having Secret Service protection, frankly. I mean, I, I don't want any former president, be they uh, somebody like Donald Trump or somebody who I admire, um, to be faced with a threat to their life because there are people in this country, sadly, who want to take matters into their own hands in ways that are violent and destructive and and disregard human life. So I don't know the answer to the Secret Service protection aspect, but the additional consequences are a simple majority. And I suspect, you know, there's no question that Mitch McConnell would vote for those additional consequences because he wants to uh, get to the, the removal of Donald Trump from his grip on the Republican Party. The real question is, can you get to 67 votes? And that's right. the, the threshold. That, that's and, and it, right. And you can't get to the the simple majority with the, loss of the perks until you have the conviction uh, on, the, on, the, on the 67. Uh, and, and James, just to 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 point out again. So are, how do you feel about it holding up until, let's say, you know, June or, or whatever, April or May or something like that? 
Yeah, you know, I, Congressman Clyburn is a is a very savvy individual, and in a, in a I mean, he's an extraordinarily influential guy, man, member of Congress, and a member of the Democratic Caucus. I think yesterday, late last night, he started to walk back his own suggestion a little bit, and Vice President uh, or Vice President Biden, President Elect Biden, um, suggested the possibility of the Senate bifurcating its sessions, um, such that you know the a Senate trial, an impeachment trial, takes place in what is called executive session in the Senate. Um, and so one possibility would be that the Senate could conduct its regular business, you know, the first hundred days, the COVID relief, the economic relief, all sorts of other very, very pressing matters. And I'd put first and foremost on passing the John Lewis Voting Rights Act, um, which is critically important to this country moving forward and to having people's voices be heard. But then in the afternoon, they could carry on the impeachment. It's not ideal. And anybody who suggests that the Democrats are just looking at this as an opportunity to engage in just one more shot at Donald Trump, believe me, no Democrat, including Joe Biden, is thrilled to see the first hundred days of the Biden administration have to deal with the aftermath of last week. But the consequence of not dealing with the aftermath of last week, the consequence of setting a precedent that it's okay because it happened with just one, just two weeks remaining in the, the term, that's a consequence and that's a precedent um, that you really don't want to set. No matter what we do at this point, precedent is going to be set. So turn that around and turn it into a question. Len referenced John F. Kennedy. You know, I turned the precedent question into a question. What kind of a precedent do we want to set? Do we want to set the precedent that we just move on when there's a violent, deadly attack on democracy itself? I think the answer to that, if you are a sane, sound mind person who put the country ahead of party, is absolutely not. Speaking of precedent, do you see the president pardoning himself? <laughs> Uh, yeah, I see him wanting to, but you know, I, I, it just it just defies common sense uh, to allow a president to pardon himself. Um, you know, you, you have a lot of conservative Supreme Court judges and and others. You know, Federal Society originalists uh, they have to see the folly in that as well because now we we got a president in order to uh, replace imperialism with king. And essentially, that's what he would be to be able to commit those crimes, and at the end of his uh, at the end of his term, pardon himself from those crimes. That would be tantamount to shooting that person on Fifth Avenue and and being able to walk away from it. I, I just don't see any intent uh, by framers to to allow that to happen. Well, and and I agree with everything Len just said. And on a practical level, consider the possibility of a self pardon in combination with the policy of the Office of Legal Counsel that the Department of Justice honored in that memo uh, right. that says that they cannot in criminally indict the president while he's the president. So if you can't get indicted while you're in your term and then you can self-pardon on the way out, you are a king, you are above the law. And that's literally what the United States was founded on fighting against. 
And by the way, and I, we've heard, you know, everybody has been on TV, every talking head, but I haven't heard this. If you self-pardon, does that have any bearing on a conviction in the Senate with an impeachment? The, so the first question, there's sort of two questions there. One, can you self-pardon? And the answer to some degree is, who knows? It would right. be unprecedented. I'm with Len in thinking that it's absurd, but it would be the ultimate test case because we have no precedent for it and it would clearly be tested in the courts. But the pardon power applies to federal criminal offenses. Okay. The impeachment power applies to whatever the Senate defines as a high crime and misdemeanor. And you cannot pardon, the president has no ability to pardon, nor would, frankly, a subsequent president have the ability to pardon for an impeachment. And remember, he's still under investigation under numerous state uh, potential uh, violations as well, criminal right. violations in New York, particularly. Right. And and again, those there's no pardon power that can help uh, with those. And that's where I want to end it with criminal charges. Do, do you see uh, whether it's something from D.C. Uh, with what just took place, whether it's in New York or elsewhere? Uh, do you see the president uh, getting indicted? For me, the short answer is yes, most probably in New York, um, because obviously it'll take a bit more time before you know an indictment. And I'm not sure that they don't have a sealed indictment right now. Um, mm -hmm. You know, we don't know that for sure. Uh, I, I think from a federal standpoint, I, I'm I'm not sure if in fact uh, they're going to want to to take it that far. Um, you know, although this the, this uh, accusation of sedition, uh, you know, expressing a desire for that illegal conduct at the Capitol. And, you know, they can say they can prove specific intent to, to cause the rioters to destroy property and, and you know, the likelihood uh, or the imminent uh, element of that type of action. You know, all those things come together with Trump's uh, vocal exhortation of, of you got to fight. Uh, you know, th there's a possibility that happens, but but I, I just don't see it. If, in fact, uh, the feds and, and the state of New York kind of uh, put their heads together and the state of New York has a strong enough case, I, I got a feeling that the feds will let it alone and allow New York to act. Mm. Yeah. Without, without a doubt, I echo everything that Len just said. One week from today, if this is on the 13th, and I know, Jerry, you might cut this up for later podcast use as well, but on January 20th, uh, Donald Trump's big concerns are going to, you know, be in the realm of Cy Vance and Letitia James, as much as they're going to be in the realm of Merrick Garland if he's ultimately confirmed as the Attorney General. I think his real legal exposure is at the state level. It, it does involve the Trump Organization. It does involve the payments to Stormy Daniels. It does involve, you know, misuse of the the charity um, arm of the Trump Organization, uh, Trump Foundation, and who knows what else. Uh, his real criminal liability is at the state level. And, and I think, and we talked about this in the past, right after the election, I think that's a good indication of why he's been keeping that fraud claim going for two months, right? I, I mean, it, it seems to be because he wanted to have the security of the White House, if you will. Yeah, he's, he's desperate uh, to, to try to maintain, uh, you know, that the, the kind of cloak of, uh, of, uh, untouchable uh, at this point in time and, and hope that the um, statute of limitations can pass on the New York, on the New York cases. But uh, 
you know, he does definitely doesn't want to go before a Manhattan jury. I think he's alienated himself in New York. My thanks again to Professor James Sample and Len Elmore. Again, the full interview is available on my Twitter feed at Jerry Barmash. Please tell your friends and share the episode. Email me with any questions or comments. Hear now the news, jb at gmail.com. Check out my Hear Now the News Facebook page as well. Coming Monday, January 18th, more on the impeachment with someone who was a witness to the uprising at the Capitol. Thanks for listening to Hear Now the News. I'm Jerry Barmash.